0: Good morning. As many of you know, this is our Senior Sunday, where we get an opportunity to honor our high school graduates. This year, we have three graduates who have grown up in this church. Um, not every year do we have a whole slate of graduates who have essentially been here uh, since they were wee little ones. Uh, But many in this congregation can look at our graduates and remember exactly what they were like 12, 16, 18 maybe years ago. And so that's very exciting to have many of our own that this village has raised to honor today. But before we get to honoring them specifically, we want to bring a word from Scripture And as I try to do every year when I have this opportunity, I I don't just want to speak to the seniors, though, high school graduates, I hope you're paying attention. This message is for you, but it's also for all of us, that we may all take away truths from God's Word. The kingdom of heaven is like... What comes in your mind? Many of you may have some scriptures memorized from Jesus who says, The kingdom of heaven is like... But I just want you to think about that and then get your head a little bit out of Scripture where it's not just about the words on the page. The kingdom of heaven is like what? When you think about this congregation, when you think about your life and the lives of those around you, what is the kingdom of heaven like? You see, graduates, God is calling you into His kingdom. He wants you to live as a citizen of the king. And he doesn't just want you to reside in his kingdom. He wants you to be part of his kingdom. But, but what, does that, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to live as a part of the kingdom of God? One of the first and main things it means is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is... Is Lord. And now, for us, you know, the title of Lord seems totally religious. And certainly it is, but it wasn't. It wasn't always a religious term. Just the other day, one of my kiddos said, what is a duke? What's a duke? Um, the blessing of having these streaming services like Disney Plus is my kids are watching really, really old cartoons and uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched yourself or, or grew up watching with your kids The Gummy Bears. I actually had never seen The Gummy Bears before until my kiddos were watching it on Disney Plus at the recommendation of their mom. And so in there, there's a guy who's a duke. And I can only assume that my daughter was thinking of that character from this show she's been watching when she says, what's well, a duke? Well, we don't have dukes in America. Not not the way that we have in the old world, as they used to talk about it, right? But a lord. A lord is that person of power and position who rules over an area, often underneath the kingship of somebody else. Not always, but often. But the, to say someone is your lord means that you literally Give of your life to that person. Sometimes that's begrudgingly as a villager who is taxed by the Lord and you just give of your harvest and you don't want to, but you do. Or you work within the kingdom's goings-on. Or maybe you're even a knight of that Lord, and so they are your Lord and you follow their orders. But a Lord is a person of authority. And so if we're going to live in the kingdom we must accept Jesus as Lord, and that is hard. I could do a whole sermon right here. Jesus is Lord, but, but let's move on from that, okay? Jesus is Lord, yes, but as our Lord, one of the questions to be asked is, can our Lord be trusted? And I'm here to proclaim to you today, I believe God can be trusted. Amen. High school graduates, this is especially important for you because as you transition into this new part of life, there's going to be these opportunities to step out in independence and make some cool decisions of your own and maybe be your own boss, be your own Lord. And the question is, will you trust the Lord that you've accepted in Jesus Christ as you move out of the household that you have been under? as you move out of the authority of the teachers and the principals and the coaches that you've had thus far, and you get an opportunity to step out on your own. But the truth is, all of us ask this question, whether we consciously do or not, every day, can God be trusted? And if you say yes, then from a position of security, you're able to step out and do the things that God has called you to do in his kingdom. But if if you're not sure, it can feel very shaky and it can feel very scary and you are very hesitant to step out and do what God has called you to do. And I want you to know it's a part of the Christian experience and the Christian walk to be in all of those places. And I don't want you to feel bad this morning if you're not sure that you could stand up as I have done and say, God can be trusted. But I want to use some scripture to talk about this idea If God can be trusted. If you want to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Beginning in verse 35, it says, For this is what the Lord says, He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty Is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. Interesting, interesting, interesting. If you pay attention, and I know some of you pay really close attention, and some of you are just too busy with your own lives, and that's all right. There's a movement in our world where we seek solace with nature. Again, as was reminded to us, this is nothing new under the sun. But there's a whole new wave of movement that says nature, nature, nature. We just got to get outside of these buildings, and especially after this 2020, we got to be outside, sit by a waterfall, walk through a park, breathe next to the trees. And psychology has proven that all of that is very beneficial to your mental health. Why? Why might that be? What exists within nature? that doesn't exist within carpet and plaster walls and ceiling fans? You see, God ordained nature to move and to be. And I want to remind you, graduates, if you ever find yourself in a place of doubt, if you find yourself where it's shaky because you're not sure if God can be trusted, go sit next to an ocean. Watch an ocean video on YouTube. Go sit outside and, and... and wake up early enough to see the sun rise. Have you ever stood at the ocean with the white foam at your feet, felt the endless thundering motion? Then I say you've seen the God who can be trusted. Yes. Have you ever stood at the sunset with the sky mellowing red, seen the clouds suspended like feathers, and then the next morning that very same sun rises again in the east? Awesome. Then I say you have seen the God who can be trusted, when the world seems to be falling apart and people are divided, do you see nature thriving? Do you see the wind continue to blow, the seasons continue to change, and the thing which God ordained to do its work continue to function? Then I say you've seen a God who can be trusted. We can see God in the nature which He has created and see His consistency through time and the way that nature reveals to us God. We heard that in our scripture that was read earlier this morning Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his. He made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord. There's that word, our God, our maker. For he is our God and we... Are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care? I love the way it ends right there because God doesn't just take care of nature graduates, He takes care of His people, and we are the sheep of His pasture and we are under His care. God can be trusted. Jesus, the Lord of this kingdom in which God calls us to live and be a part, can be trusted. And we can see in nature his consistency. And we can see that the same God and Lord who rules over nature cares for us, too. You can look all throughout Scripture and see this. You can see Jesus talking about the birds of the air and how they don't, sow or reap, and yet the Lord feeds them, and the flowers of the grass, and they don't don't spin or sow, and yet He clothes them more beautiful than all the rest. If God can take care of the birds and the flowers, He will take care of you. And that's a very important point to make, because it's from that place of security, that sure foundation of Jesus as Lord, a God who can be trusted, That God wants to call you to live in his kingdom. Because the kingdom of heaven is like people filling the world with life. The kingdom of heaven is like people filling the world with life. Now I know a few of you are out there going, what parable is this? This isn't in scripture. Jesus never said this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verses 31 through 33. He told another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a six, about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. When I hear those two parables, yes, the quote is, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. But what is the result of the yeast? What is the result of the mustard seed? Though it's the smallest of seeds, and yet it produces this beautiful, life-giving plant. Not only does it result in, in a single life of a single plant, but that plant provides space for the birds to live. The yeast, the little amount of yeast, works through the whole dough, having an impact on the entire thing. And so I think about life, life life-giving things. The kingdom of heaven is like life-giving things. You are the mustard seed. Will you allow the Lord of this kingdom to plant you and produce life, not just a single life, but a life which then gives life to that which is around it? Will you be a life-giving force in the kingdom of God? John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's contrasting himself with the thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, I'm here to give life, but I don't just want you to be a small little life over here in the corner while he has the power to grow a rose in the midst of the concrete. He would rather plant you in a place where you can provide life to that around you. Part of what science calls an ecosystem. He wants you to be in the kingdom in such a way that you provide a part of the ecosystem. And in the midst of the kingdom, not only do you find life, but you're able to give life. The kingdom of heaven is like people filling the world with life. And so graduates, as you go through this transition and take that next step, it's going to look very different for each of you. And that's okay. You're going to find yourself in different geographical places than you've been before. You'll find yourself in different situations than you've been before. For some of you, some things won't change real fast. It'll be a slow change. But you'll be given new freedoms and new opportunities to make new decisions. And I hope you will choose to give life wherever you find yourself. Another way to put this is the way Paul talks about the idea of not just looking to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. So if you can find a way to give of yourself to the people around you, so that they are lifted up, they are encouraged, they find life, I think you'll find your place in the kingdom of God. And so here we come, almost at the end already. Simple conclusion. We need to find our life-giving roles in the kingdom. I want to encourage you just to simply look around this congregation. There are many people that you know. Some you don't. Many of whom you know the life-giving role that they are playing And you can simply look to them as examples of ways to give life. Maybe you want to follow in their footsteps. Maybe you want to learn from them. How did you get here? What do you practice? What do you do? Maybe you just want to be inspired by their hard work and find your own place. But I have a few questions for us. These questions, I hope, will help you to find your life-giving role in the kingdom. Question one. What gives me life? What gives me life? When you ask yourself that question, you probably very quickly come up with an answer. And that answer may have to do with people. You might have people in your life that every time you're around those people, you come away more alive than you did before. Maybe it's a place or an experience Maybe you've had an experience in your youth group time or, or maybe in your family growing up that every time that this ritual would occur or every time you'd go to this place and spend time, man, you just were able to breathe afresh. <sighs> maybe what's given you life has been the encouragement of others when they tell you, I'm in your corner and I'm praying for you. It's important to ask that question because that may be, in fact, the place that you can be giving life to others. Can you be a person who provides those opportunities, those words of encouragement, those experiences to other people? Many of you in the youth group have gone with us on our Colorado trip. For those of you who haven't gone, let me give you a little bit of an example of what this is. I was able to find several years ago, a company called Noah's Ark Whitewater Rafting Company. Thankfully, they don't try to stick you in a boat as big as the ark to go down the river. But they are a company who finds God in the outdoors. And instead of just keeping that to themselves and saying, I'm gonna go on a personal hike every weekend. Somebody at one time said, how can I provide an opportunity for others to encounter God and the life-giving force I find on the mountain and on the river and climbing the rocks. And they began a company. And we get to go, and we get to participate, and we then have opportunity to see God and nature in a way that we just can't here in flat Oklahoma. It's just not the same. Not that we don't have our own beauties and our own places where nature shows up and shows God. But what a cool thing. Maybe it's like that, graduates. Maybe you can take that thing that you find life-giving and find a way to provide it to other people. Next question. When have I felt alive because of service or sacrifice that I gave to others? So this is kind of turning it around, right? First, it was like, when have I received life? And then it's like, when have I been doing something that even in the midst of giving, I also received life? Why is that important? Because if you can serve in a ministry and a mission where others go, man, I don't know how you give so much. But for you, it is in fact life receiving to give that much in that way. Then you may have found your place in the kingdom of God a place that you can serve in a way others cannot and not become burnt out. I want to be very clear about something. The Bible makes it obvious that we are not all the same. And we're not one size fits all. And there's not one path to finding your place in the kingdom when it comes to the role that you will play in being a life-giving force. And there are many of you in this auditorium today who look at me often and say, I don't know how you deal with those teenagers. And I'm not just talking about the gray hairs. There are many of you who have kids younger than teens, some of you who have teens, and say, I don't know how you do this. But something about the way God has created me, I get life from spending time with teenagers. I get life from showing them God and nature, from having Bible classes where that light bulb goes off and I'm like, yeah, you got it! It's life-giving to me in a way that for many of you, it's not. And so, grads, as you go, I want you to find the place that you've maybe served before. Maybe it was really small. And you were like, that one time I painted this painting and I gave it to somebody who was at the hospital And that's like the best feeling I've ever had. Maybe you only did it one time, but maybe that becomes the place that you find your life-giving force that you can give to others because God has put that inside of you. Question number three. Who in my life is there now because God wants me to give life to them? Yep, rubber's meeting the road, right? This isn't now dreaming of what might be someday. Ask yourself right now, who's in my life that God's placed there because I'm supposed to give them life right now? Because this isn't a someday sermon. This is a today sermon. This is a give life today as you go along sermon. Sometimes the people that are the answer to that question are temporary. I don't know why I sat down at this table, and I have this server, but I'm here to give life to this server. I don't know why I ended up in this line, why was it the shortest one, and I'm checking out with this person. Those are opportunities to give a little bit of life. When you're able to show grace and mercy where all others have not, cannot tell you how much life that gives When you're able to say, hey, they're doing a terrible job, but hey, maybe they just got a divorce. Maybe you know someone in their life just died, and I don't know, and I'm able to be patient with them in the midst of their bad service. And I'm not grumpy, and I don't get mad at them. What a breath of fresh air for somebody who might be hurting. But maybe the answer to that question is somebody who's been in your life for a long time, and you know well. It could be a family member. It could be a close friend. Maybe it's that person you've gone through school with for a while and never invited to church. Last question. What is a barrier to me filling the world around me with life? You might have already identified this as we've gone through those other three questions, because you may have gone, yeah, that would be so cool, but. Yeah, I know I have that person, but. What is the barrier in your life that is keeping you from giving life to those around you? Man, this is gut-wrenching sometimes for me. Because I'm a pretty selfish guy when it really comes down to it. I'm really good at making it look on the outside like I'm doing lots of things for lots of other people. And, and I'm not saying I never do anything for anybody else. And I've worked on it a lot. I mean, from the time I was an 18-year-old high school grad till now, I, God's really worked on me. I'm less selfish than I was then. But when, I, and when I'm really willing to answer this question, what's the barrier? It hurts. It hurts because it's real. And because it's wrong. It hurts because I know the good I should be doing and don't do. And it's selfish. I want you to know that God sees you and knows you, and he's not surprised. He's not like, "Oh, what? I can't believe that's what's keeping you from serving me. He goes, yeah, I know. Let's work on that. Let me chip away a little bit at a time. Let me pour on some oil and wine to that hard heart and soften it up. Let me show you the grace, the love, the mercy that I'm wanting you to show to others so that in the midst of that, I might draw out of you this life-giving force. But what is that barrier? Because it begins with recognition for ourselves. God already knows it but sometimes we ignore it or we don't admit it. Admit it to yourself today. So let's go over those four questions one more time. What gives me life? When have I felt alive because of the service or sacrifice that I gave to others? And who in my life is there because God wants me to give life to them? And what is a barrier in my life to me filling the world around me with life? We have all received life when we were dead. Dead in our transgressions, unable to save ourselves, Christ has given us life. And so I believe that being a part of the kingdom of God means for us to be a life-giving force to the world around us. Just as Jesus was a life-giving force to us, so we should be a life-giving force to others. At this time, we're going to have an opportunity to recognize our graduates before we have our invitation, before we have a song. And so I want to ask the elders to come forward. We have our three graduates' Bibles here on the front. We have a chance to pray over our graduates. You guys can just each grab a Bible and be ready to hand out. I'll go in alphabetical order by first name. All right. Our first graduate is Audrey Grace Beckham. Audrey has graduated from Ed Memorial, Memorial High School. She If you follow her on Instagram, she she was like, I did it! I actually did it! (laughs) She had moments of doubt in herself, but she has made it to this place, and we are so proud of you, Audrey. She has always been that person in youth group um, who wants to give to other people. Um, If you have been blessed by any of her art, I'd like you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've been blessed by her art. Oh my goodness, she has such a gift, right? So we want to honor you today, Audrey Grace Becken. Our next graduate is Corinne Elaine Swan. In her 18 years, Corinne Elaine Swan has accomplished a lot with quiet determination. Uh, You may not know her well enough to know that under that quiet exterior is a lot of determination. She has been part of the National Honor Society, has made the varsity volleyball team at Harding Charter Prep. She played in club volleyball and has been accepted to the Wichita State University where she plans to be an English teacher. And guess what? No one will be surprised when she accomplishes that. We honor you today, Corinne Lane Swan. Our final graduate is Rafe Smith. Rafe has also graduated from Edmund Memorial High School. He loves horses. He loves to uh, wear boots anytime he can. And if you know him well enough, his favorite thing to do is to make you laugh. Oh, he graduated with welding? From, all right. Graduated with a degree in welding from Francis Tuttle as well. That is fantastic. Honor you today, Rafe. All right, which one of our elders? You can grab this microphone.
1: Let's all pray together. Dear God, as we stand here in your presence, we are proud of these young lives. And we know their parents are proud as well, and rightly so. Dear Lord, we ask your blessings on them, on their families, on their future, that wherever life takes them, that they will be life-giving to those around them, that they will take your Son in their hearts, that they will show you forth in their lives, and that they will always keep you, dear Father, in their lives. And in doing so, they will never fail, because you will never fail them. Dear Lord, keep them safe, prosper their lives, and let them always know that their hope lies in you and in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Oh!
0: Oh! Photo! Photo! <laughs> can, you, can I was like you. You used to go back. <laughs> All right, you guys can see this. <laughs> Like I said at the beginning, while we honor our graduates today, I hope that the message you heard this morning was impactful for you as well. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to God calling you into His kingdom. Maybe you haven't even taken that first step of proclaiming Jesus as Lord, of putting Him on into baptism and dedicating your life to Him, receiving that salvation, that first breath of life in yourself. Maybe you've been there for years and you need to say, Pray over me as I seek to be a life-giving force in a new place in my life. If you have any need for prayer or you'd like to respond this morning, come as we stand, as we sing.